when you go from that expecting something from somebody to no one's coming to save me, I got to do this on my own, something shifts in your head and you go for it. Another day, another task, think fast with a whole nother mission complete. Successful-ish. Pick up the weight, press on, and act on the visions to see. I'm successful-ish. Sit back and bask in the glory of all the goals I achieve. Successful-ish. Lose a stack, get it back, reinvest, hope, wait, then I roll up my sleeve. Welcome to Successful-ish. I'm Sarah Michelle, and I'm so excited to be hanging out with Joyce Rojas today, who is passionate about success in bed, body, and bankroll. She is an amazing finance mindset coach, and I first met Joyce at a business event about a year ago, and I heard her speak about money mindset, which was super smart and insightful, but I was more impressed with how she carried herself. And I remember thinking, this woman is so smart and confident and classy. I have to be friends with this person. And I sort of stalked her after she left the stage. And I feel like maybe that's the closest I've come to empathizing with dudes in bars, where I basically had this moment of, this woman is so sexy. I cannot leave tonight without her number. Uh, <laughs> and I got it because I am good. And so I'm so excited to introduce you to her and have her share a little bit more about her life story and the connection between bed, body, and bankroll. So Joyce, thank you so much for hanging out and for sharing with us. Thank you. And really, thank you for stalking me. I love stalkers. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think it's a form of <laughs> safe ones, safe ones, yes. not ones that, ones that take it too far, then maybe that's not a great thing, but absolutely. Absolutely. So, awesome to be with you. so happy to have you here. What is something that you failed at this week? Wow. Um, one was, is going to be going to the gym. For sure. Uh, at this week, I, I actually, it was in my mind, like Joyce, you have to really like, you have to work out. And it just has been such a hectic week or a couple of weeks that I did not get to go to the gym yesterday. I'm not going to go today because right after this, I have another phone call or, or mastermind call that I'm holding for my people. So that is one thing I failed at. Um, but I think even, I think a bigger thing, um, if we want to keep it authentic, right, is I'm right now failing, I think, at understanding my teenager. Mm. I really am. He's 17. And I think that one of the things I do is I compare myself, my 17-year-old self, to him. Yeah. And so we butt heads. And so that is something that I have been working on for years now. Um, to try to say, okay, you know, let's look at him in a different way. Let's look at him, not comparatively, you know, and then let's also look at different parenting styles because my parenting style has to be completely different with him than my parents were with me. Right. And so um, to really be able to kind of take myself out of this picture and say, I'm not going to look at him as I'm his parent, I'm going to look at him as a teenager, just yeah. a teenager that needs love, right? Has been, you know, a very big challenge for me because as parents, you know, I, as a parent, I'm just like, that's my kid, you know? And so it's a, it's a difficult 
shift mindset shift to do. So I think that I'm going to say that I try and last week went spectacular. And then this week was like, okay, Joyce, hold up. Wait a minute. You're supposed to be doing this. You're supposed to be thinking this way. So I, I think that that's one of the things that it's like, right. You know, timely right now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think even making an effort for that, I would say it makes you a success as a mom. There are so many parents that, gosh, I wish that was more of a common thing of recognizing that kids are so much more than kids. You know, they're humans with their own personalities and desires and wirings. And it's, it's gotta be complicated as a parent to want to raise a child, but also allow them to be them. Right. Right. And then, and then the, the question becomes right, which every parent probably goes through is like, but then where's my guidance, right? Where is it? Where is my parenting here? And what there's a thin line between parenting and then allowing them to, you know, discover things on their own. And so that's where it's like, as parents, we kind of want to see we don't want to see them fall on their face. We don't want to see them fail. We don't want to see them hurt. But the problem with that becomes is that we end up being the people that hurt them yeah. because of the judgment behind it, because of the way we don't understand them. And so that to me has been uh, a very recent mindset shift that I've been dealing with, right? Where it's like, okay, where where's the line there? Yeah. How do I guide without judgment, without, um, imposing my beliefs on him. Well, and you're so close to it when you're family and you're in the situation. I know when I was in college, I was a youth leader. And so I had a bunch of middle school and high school kids. And it was so funny because I would listen to them complain about their parents. And I would listen to them tell me all the reasons that their parents were unfair or didn't understand them. And I totally got it. But then I also waitressed and I would work at the bar and I would have all these moms and dads sometimes, mostly moms, complain about their kids. And this is what's wrong with my teenager. They just don't understand. And it was such an interesting and funny place to hear both stories, especially when I knew the parent and the kid. Yeah. And now I was hearing both sides to the story and I sort of became this awkward mediator of, okay, I'm hearing both of you. You're yeah. both right, you're both wrong. Let's just sit in a room together. So and it's completely it's different like worlds and it's so, it's interesting. It's completely different worlds yet it's the same exact thing because when I think about it, the reason I act the way I do is because I love him. He's the, right. the person I love the most in my life. The reason he acts or reacts the way he does is because he doesn't feel loved and understood. And how can, you know, this person that I love the most in the world not feel loved by me who loves him the most in the world, you know? So it's like, it's so interesting with parents and kids because the parents are like, I love the, I love my kids so much. And this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. But then the kids like, they don't understand me. They hate me. They like, it's, unbelievable just the complete miss that we have as parents and teenagers so that to me I think to answer your question that was like my uh, my fail I believe in in this week 
Yeah. Well, and I know you have a really special and unique relationship with your kiddo. Can you tell us a little bit just about what makes you you? Tell us your successful-ish life story. Um, well, I mean, I think that that if I was to say, okay, here's my life story in a little recap, I, I am a daughter of immigrant parents. Um, so I watched my dad um, really just work his ass off to, to be able to provide for us, which broke my heart even as a kid because I understood what was happening. And I think that that's really what led me to this, um, this quest on understanding money because I saw him work hard, work two jobs, you know, and then I saw my friend's parents not work as hard and have this amazing lifestyle. And we actually, my dad worked really hard because he put us through Catholic school or private school. And so, you know, because to him, education was super important, but that was a huge sacrifice for him because paying for that meant, hey, then you don't get, you know, to go to birthday parties. You don't get to go to field trips. You don't get uh, secret Santa. None of those things that kids typically do at their school we got. And so that started making me think like why such a vast difference so actually you know if you fast forward I went the finance route I actually went to college and studied English literature don't know why I, I found it so like easy for me and then minored in economics and then said what the hell am I going to do with this and they recruited me um, and I started working in the finance industry right off the, the get-go and so I grew in the finance industry and I started realizing that there was a mindset behind money mm -hmm. and there was this, you know, a bunch of knowledge. I could sit with someone and I can give them all the knowledge, but they still wouldn't change their habits. They still wouldn't change the fact that they live paycheck to paycheck. They still wouldn't be able to save. And I started realizing that it really comes down to a lot of subconscious belief systems that we have and we hold with us for, for decades. And so I felt that myself when I got divorced. And this was during the last recession we had, the financial crisis back in 2008, 2009. I felt that myself because during that crisis, I was actually it was crazy because I was going through this time where it's like, I don't know if I'm going to have a job because I was in the finance industry, but that wasn't the worst thing that was going on in my life. Um, I was actually going through a, a bad divorce and a custody battle. And so I felt like my whole life was kind of like just this whole picket fence dream, white picket fence dream is like going down the drain and everything was crumbling around me. And so in the midst of that, I go to work one day and I remember the electricity went out and I was like, what the hell's going on here? But I figured, all right, so electricity's out, nothing really to do in the office. I'm going to just step out, get myself a cup of coffee. As I cross the street to get a cup of coffee, I get hit by a pickup truck. Oh gosh. Yeah, it's crazy. And so I remember the two things that went through my mind during that moment. And one of them was, whoa, was that it? Like, was that all to my life? Because I felt like, 
hey, I had more of a purpose here and I didn't live it out. And the second thing was, what kind of mourning did I have with my son that day? Because in a single mom household, because at that point I was already a single mom, it gets crazy in the mornings. Mornings are really tough. And so I couldn't remember the type of morning I had with him, which really did something to my head because I realized I was just sleepwalking through life. And then it hit me where it's like, wait a minute, if I'm sleepwalking through life, then how many other people are sleepwalking through life? How many people are going through their days just, just to go through it because it's stuff they're supposed to do? Right. Meanwhile, the people that are the most important in their life, their wife, their kids, their brothers, their sisters, their moms, their dads, they don't have time for that. But then when this person's gone, that's when they're like, oh no, there's a void. So that's what I think for me was this really big turning point in my life. Um, that's how I started kind of doing what I'm doing now. Yeah, that's awesome. I it can relate to that feeling of just, it's almost like you hop off the conveyor belt. Mm -hmm. it's almost this matrix moment of just realizing, you know, so many of us are missing. We're missing yeah. out. We're, we're showing up and we're pouring all of our energy. We're exhausted when we go to bed at the end of the day. It's not like we're just sitting on the couch eating bonbons. We're tired, right. but the energy can be redirected so much more effectively. Right. And there's so many things like that. And I think one thing that is really interesting about money mindset is the way that we inherit so many of these beliefs without even realizing it. And that was something that stuck out the first time that I heard you speak was really thinking about, I, I knew that I didn't have a super successful relationship with money. And mm -hmm. I've shared on this podcast before, that is the one of the metrics that I personally struggle with. And it, when you were talking about the family dynamics, for me, it made me realize there are a lot of beliefs and whether it was just flippant phrases that I heard my parents say, or the culture that I grew up in, those things get internalized. So can you talk a little bit about what that looks like and how we can be more mindful and even recognizing maybe what our healthy or unhealthy beliefs about money are? Yeah. So like everything that when we're kids, everything we hear our parents say, we believe it's somewhere in the back of our mind. We could be playing with our toys, but we hear it. We hear arguments with our, between our parents about money. We immediately think, okay, they're arguing about money. And we make that connection that money must be a bad thing. And there, there's certain things that we say as parents. I mean, I'm guilty of it before I started realizing the money mindset around stuff like, oh no, honey, we can't afford that. No, that's like awful to say to your kid because you're basically telling their subconscious, you are not the type of person that can afford that. So they now believe, oh, okay, I can't afford that. And their subconscious now tells them moving forward, they could be 40 years old. No, I'm not the type of person that can afford that. And so that's where it's like, we need to watch our mouths. We need to guard our mouth. We need to guard our minds because the stuff that we say to ourselves and to our kids, the stuff we say to ourselves is the stuff we say to our kids. 
Okay. But like the stuff we say to ourselves, it's, it's an affirmation, right? but it's a negative one. And then we start saying these things to our children too. So a couple of like, just the regular ones that I hear is, um, money doesn't grow on trees. So you're basically telling your kid, Hey, there's no such thing as abundance. Um, we can't afford that. I explained what you're telling them there. Um, no, you know what? You don't need that. You don't need that. Okay. Which is true. Like I go through with my clients, like, Hey, what is your, what is a need? What is a necessity? And what is something that you want? So if you're going to tell your kid, Hey, we don't need that. A better way of saying that would be, Hey, there's different things that we prioritize. And if you have a certain amount of money, like I give you a dollar, what do you want more? Mm -hmm. Do you want candy or do you want, you know, to buy Mary, who you have a crush on, a flower, you know? So it's just priorities and, and explaining that. So those are some of the, the ones that um, I hear. The other one is um, things are hard, life's hard, uh, same shit, different day. Yeah. Those are the kind of things it's like, okay, these are the things you're feeding your kid right. if you say them. And they've become self, self-fulfilling prophecies a little bit. Absolutely. I think that mm-hmm. it's, we say things so flippantly, we don't even pay attention to it. And we don't realize that we are, we're data mining. We're looking for evidence that supports these things that we believe. And even something as simple as rethinking the way that we look at money. And, you know, I, I've shared before um, when I went through my divorce and was at my lowest point, I had nothing. And it changed the way that I looked at money because by American standards, I was broke, Mm -hmm. but I also felt so affluent and blessed because I always had food. I had clothes. I compared to so many people around the world, I was still okay. Yeah. And to change that mindset. And instead of being consumed, I really think that that is largely what helped me survive and pull out of that was having this, looking at money very differently mm-hmm. and looking at everything I had as a blessing rather than everything I didn't have as, oh, I'll never be able to have that. And, you know, constantly looking at the Jones family. Right. So what was the first moment for you that changed your mindset about money? When was it that you started getting more of a drive to create affluence in your life? It was right after the divorce. So right after the divorce, um, I had lost everything in a recession, right? Not only because of the recession, because of the divorce. So house, no more house, right? And it was during the housing crisis, which I had paid a certain amount for the house and it was slashed in half. So I couldn't get anything back for that. And I love that house and I had to leave it. And so sold everything in a garage sale because I thought, you know, I was living in California at that time and just the, everything was pretty toxic with uh, the ex. And so I said, I needed to leave California. And so I left California, came to New Jersey, and all I had was my car, a cooler in the backseat, and my kid, you know? And so I remember um, my son looking at me, and I could kind of tell he was a little bit nervous. And he's like, looks at me, he goes, we're going to go on an adventure, right? Um, I'm like, we are 
but I had no idea what I was doing. I really didn't. I just took everything day by day. And I still remember that feeling that it was like, it sunk my heart. Cause I'm like, babe, I have no idea what I'm doing, but I can't tell this seven-year-old boy that. And so I remember coming to New Jersey and you go from a three bedroom house, three bathroom house to a tiny little studio, the size of a freaking dorm room and with a child. And it's a studio, like this is not a one bedroom apartment. This is a studio. And I felt horrible. I felt like a, like a loser and like a failure. And then I started kind of figuring, okay, you know, I need to make this happen. I need to make it happen on my own. There was no uh, alimony, didn't have that. There was no child support at that point, didn't have that. It was like nothing. And I had to figure shit out. And that's what changed my mindset. It was me saying, you know what? I need to figure it out. There is someone counting on me and there's no one else he can count on right now, right? And if I count on somebody else, if I try to count on my ex, if I try to count on anyone else, they can let me down. So the only person that can make this happen is me. And when you shift your mindset, when you go from, no one's coming to save me. Like you go from that mindset of, oh, I can probably get this person to help or this person's coming to save me or no. When you go from that, expecting something from somebody to no one's coming to save me, I got to do this on my own. Something shifts in your head and you go for it. And that's what it was. I began to say, okay, what can I do? And I started to strategize and I started to learn about money and really get into it. Then they asked me um, at that point, like a little bit later than that, say, hey, you know what? Do you wanna be a, a financial advisor? I was like, yeah, I've wanted to do this forever. And they trained me and it was, it was wonderful. So it was just the steps in the right direction and just knowing that there was no way out. This is what I had to do. Yeah, I can definitely relate to that. And that that's such a, for me, it was a difficult mindset transition. And I, I don't know a lot about your background. I grew up in a conservative religious background. And so it was sort of, that was the, the goal that you had the husband that was mm -hmm. the breadwinner and provided. And it wasn't that it was necessarily discouraged. I made really good income when I had a salaried role. I made money. It just, that was not as exciting and desirable. That was something that was supposed to go away once I reached the finish line of uh -huh. wearing that white dress and having someone else. And I think that it was a change in mindset of realizing, okay, I can't just tread water until a knight in shining armor comes because I don't know that he ever will, you know, men are stubborn. Yeah. They don't like to ask for directions. I could right. be in water for a real long time. Right. And realizing that, and then also getting to a point of, this is a good thing. This doesn't have to be a bad thing. This can be an exciting thing that I can mm -hmm. actually learn about money. I can create a brand behind my name. I can do all these things. And it's almost like, 
realizing that you had this superhero inside of you that ah, you never met before. And now all of a sudden you have this alternative personality that's right. coming out and you're like, wow, I'm kind of a badass. I can yeah. Isn't that crazy? I, that's what I tell people. Like, it's so funny that you mentioned that because one of the things I like to say is I used to hate my husband, like my ex-husband, right? I used to hate him. Okay. Like I wished I fantasized about being in the mafia or having like a mob dad where he would just be like, just tell me what to do, honey. And he'll be like swimming with the fishes. No problem. And I used to fantasize about that, but I look back now and he is, he is the person that really he's a blessing because he drove me to do what I did and to realize like, whoa, who is this chick? I had no idea. I had all of that in me. And if he had been the type of guy that was like, oh, no problem. I'll take care of it. Oh yeah. Don't worry. I'll pay for the daycare. Oh yeah. You know, I'll give you extra. I would have never realized what I can do. And so he's been a blessing in my life for sure. Um, and yeah, big time superhero because I had no idea I can do what I've done. No idea. I always thought, and I came from a conservative background too. So I thought I had a partner and that's how I was going to grow. The beauty around that is that actually when I had a partner, I didn't grow as much. It was not working in my favor versus without a partner, I have grown exponentially. And so, and in all, in all ways, in not only emotional, personal, but it's also in my career, I grew faster in my money-making. I grew faster making, you know, starting businesses, everything. So I think that that's a, that's one, um, false belief that you need a partner to be able to make it happen financially or that having a partner will make it faster for you. Not necessarily so. It can actually hold you back depending on who your partner is. Yeah. Well, and two stronger individuals makes a stronger couple. Mm -hmm. There's no, there's no downside to being a healthy, strong, competent individual. I think in some ways, the only downside that's not really a downside is that it limits your pool of people to partner with because as you get healthier, <laughs> you get pickier. True. And I know that for me, the the relationship with success in money was very intertwined and connected to the relationship of success in all different areas of my life. And I know that you have talked a lot before about the combination of bed, body, and bankroll. Mm-hmm. And how do those three pieces go together? What does having success in your body, in your bedroom, have anything to do with your bank account? Oh my gosh. Yeah. So actually this is a great question um, because so many people see money as like, oh, you know, if you, if you enjoy money or if, if you um, worry about money or you think about money or money's so important to you, then you're just like this money hungry person or you're greedy or let's cut the shit. Okay money is in every single day of your life. Okay. Every single day. If you go to work or you have your own business, uh, you're not working for free. You're working for money. Okay. 
And if you're working for money, that means you want to do something with your money. You want to buy your kids things with your money. Maybe you want to pay for their school. Maybe you want to buy food. Maybe you want to buy and you want to live in a nice place. And that's okay. So money is in our every single day life. And people have made money to be some something evil. Mm-hmm. Money, the, your relationship with money can affect different areas of your life. Number one, it could definitely affect your career, for sure. We see people staying in careers that they hate because of money, right? But if they can figure out how to make the same, doing something they love, they would absolutely do it. But people don't do it. So it affects your career. It affects your relationships. One of the biggest reasons people get divorced is because of money. It's not because of, you know, oh, he lied to me. It's not because of that. It's because of money. And so that affects your relationships. It also affects your relationships because even if you're not in a position where you're getting divorced, typically we bring different money personalities Mm -hmm. to the relationship. And so when you have a different money personality, you may clash and it'll start creating arguments or resentment. Body. It also affects your health. Uh, Girl, if you don't have money, you're going to be stressed the hell out, you know? And when you're stressed, that affects your health in the quickest way. Right now, women are the ones that have the most amount of thyroid problems. And that has been linked to stress. So it affects every area of your life, spiritual the spirituality, I love the spiritual people because that's one of their biggest blockades. They think, oh, you know what? Money's not important to me. You know, I want to help people and, or money's not important to me. You know, God will provide. Okay. Sorry to break it to you, but God's looking down and is like, uh, yeah, what the heck are you doing? You're expecting me to do everything. What are you doing? And if you really want to help people, you're not going to be able to help anybody or even personally grow yourself and spiritually grow yourself if you do not know how you're going to pay your mortgage the next month. You will not be able to do that. So if you're in a position where you know where your money lies, you are in a good position where it's like, okay, I know that's taken care of. I'm taking care of my money. I have control over it. You could go on a spiritual retreat. You could go on vacation. You could have a, a, a talk with your partner and say, hey, you know what? The, the, the finances are managed to this point. I wanna be able to see what we're gonna do next year. And I wanna make these goals together. You know, So there's a lot, of the, a lot of things that actually end up being better when you have your money under control. It really yeah. controls a lot of aspects in your life. People just don't want to look at it that way. Absolutely. And I think it's important to give it the appropriate weight. I think yeah. that was one thing that I saw was just the imbalance of weight that was put on money and sex in particularly. Mm-hmm. Money and sex were talked about more than anything in my church upbringing. Those were the two topics that just constantly, but they were also the two things that you were supposed to have the least of. Mm-hmm. And it's an imbalance of, okay, don't think about money and sex, but we're going to talk about money and sex all the time, but don't think about it. Yeah. (laughs) Don't do it. 
but I'm going to be, it's, it's always going to be like in your giant pink elephant in the room. Yeah. And okay. Don't think about it. Don't look at it. And they are, they're really important things to think about, but they're not everything. Right. Money is not everything, but I think taking the weight off of it as this looking at it in this intense way and rather looking at it like just an exchange of energy. Yeah. Money is just a tool. Money Absolutely. is an exchange of energy. You can make it work for you however you want. And it doesn't have to be something that owns you or dominates you. And I I saw a lot of that in just in the parallels of, as I was sorting through with different things, the success of giving the right amount of weight to thinking about things. And it does, it affects everything because your finances affect your, um, your health. Like you said, stress Mm -hmm. is huge for health issues. Mm -hmm. So focusing on financial health absolutely plays into normal health. And it also affects your relationships because we tend to gravitate towards people who are in our same level of health financial health included. And so that was one thing, you know, it's, it's a challenge sometimes, I think, as you're trying to grow financially, a lot of times that looks like sacrificing some of your existing relationships and sort of, it's almost like being on the monkey bars. You kind of have to make that jump to the next one. Did you find that as you were kind of moving your way through life and becoming more affluent, how did that affect your, the change in dynamic of the relationships that you had? One of the things that I definitely had to do is to look for mentorship, right? Because if we stick with the people that we know right now, our family, our friends, unfortunately they have the same money mindset we do. And so if I go to my brother and I'm like, Hey, you know, what do you think about this business idea? He's probably going to have the same fears I do because he was raised in the same household. And so finding mentors, uh, coaches, you know, people, advisors, accountants, whatever that can help guide you in your money life is extremely important. The other thing I'm going to say is that you got to be careful on who you hang with because what happens is, um, perfect example. You know, I have a girlfriend. I love her. Thing is, is that she's not that great with money. So I realized that every time I'm with her, I end up spending a little bit more than what I'm, you know, I typically spend. And so I'm like, Hmm, that's not good. So how do I do this without spending, you know, and we need to just be aware of that. And so then next time your girlfriend's like, Oh, let's go out and let's go out to eat. And then, you know what, then you, you come back like having spent a hundred bucks just on dinner, then you need to kind of relook at that and say, well, how do I have fun with this person without spending so much? Maybe I'll invite her to dinner or yeah. maybe we'll say, Oh, let's go to a coffee place or whatever. So just starting to be, be aware of if you hang out with friends that aren't money conscious, then you also will probably begin doing the same. And then if you don't have mentors or coaches that can say, let's look at your finances, let me see what's going on with your belief system. This is what you have to do. Then that's also going to get in your way. Yeah. Well, and that's a great reminder to focus on mindset as well. It's not just about hanging out with people who have more money or affluence. And I know that was something that when I was trying to scale and grow in my business, I felt a lot of pressure to spend money to go to networking events. Yeah. And every time these people wanted to network, it was okay. Well, now I got to, I got to drive. I got to buy the dinner. I got to buy the drinks. I got to buy, you know, the cocktails, the coffees, all of this. 
And I, a lot of times it was business owners who were struggling in their business Uh, and it was that constant, oh yeah, I'm not making enough money in business. I'm struggling in business, but they were continuing to spend hundreds of dollars in these networking dinners. And I would suggest, you know, why don't we go on a hike? Why don't you just come over and I'll make some tea or coffee, you know, before before COVID when that was still socially acceptable. Yeah. Um, And it was interesting. It did change the way that I looked at relationships, not all business networking is the same. And just because people are spending money or having money does not necessarily mean that they are set up for success in business or that they will help you. And it it really is, it's all about priorities. And I think if you want to know what someone's priorities are, you look at where their time and money are spent. True. Very true. If it's going into their business, if it's not going into their health, if it's not going into their relationships, those aren't priorities. Right. Exactly. I love it. And then you're, you're, you hit it right on the head. Time and money. So money is something that makes people very uncomfortable. And I have found that a lot of times when I talk to people who are really successful, particularly in the area of finance, Mm -hmm. they are very comfortable with it. And they'll just ask you, how much do you make? How much do you charge? They'll drop numbers. Like it's nothing because it's just conversation. Yeah. And that was a weird adjustment for me because the first time someone asked me how much I charged or how much I made, I looked at them like, I don't know, like they just asked me what my favorite position in the bedroom (laughs) (laughs) is. I was like, that's so inappropriate. I can't believe you would ask me that. Like, Uh I don't know you like that. Yeah. And I think that people who are very successful are very comfortable just talking about it as an exchange of currency. I think it's something that we need to talk about um, discerningly, but I think we need to talk about it with our business colleagues. I think we need to talk about it in relationships. What tips would you share to be more comfortable or starting that conversation? How can we start that conversation with someone who's going to be connected to us in some kind of financial way, but we're coming at it from different mindsets? What are some ways we can start that conversation? So are you saying like maybe someone you're dating or are you saying someone yeah, let's you're partner say with? You're married. A lot of married couples have never really talked about their priorities with finances. Um, a lot crazy. Of- you know, if you're going into business with someone, I think it's important to be able to, to talk about what are your goals. And even if you're dating before you get, you know, maybe not first date, but before you get too far in, you really should know if one of you is a saver, one of you is a spender. Absolutely. It's good to talk about those things. So how can we start those conversations without getting weird and messing up the relationship in the process. Yeah. Well, first I want to premise, I want to just premise this with, for the women out there. Right. Um, and I'm going to put this so boldly, look, don't be afraid of speaking about money because you're not afraid of to open your legs. Okay. And that is a very, very sensitive thing, a very sensitive area right? Like you can capture a lot of stuff you do not want by opening your legs, right? But you're willing to do that without even really knowing the person. Yeah. And so let's begin to shift that mindset that just because you speak about money does not mean you're a gold digger. It doesn't mean that you're like, oh, you know, I I need you to take care of me. I want to know. No, 
let's get rid of that mindset. When you speak about money, it is something that you have to say, you have to look at it in a way where it's like, hey, this is my goal. My goal, and I'll, put, I'll, I'll actually use myself as an example. My goal is to be a digital nomad. My goal is to be able to, when my son goes to college, I want to be in Spain and work from Spain for three months out of the year. I want to go to Italy and work from Italy three months out of the year. I want to go to Costa Rica if I want to. I want to do what I want. And I need to be in a position financially to be able to do that. Now, it's important to me, and that's why it's important to me what, where you're at right? So, and what's important to you. So we need to speak about finances. We need to just see, are we on the same page when it comes to finances? You know, because as soon as, and I would recommend, it doesn't have to be a first date, second date. No, none of that stuff. But when you start noticing, oh, okay, I think this is becoming a little bit more uh, deeper. And I think that this can go somewhere, then you can bring up that finance conversation where you say, hey, you know what? I want to just see what's on your mind five years from now. What do you have um, in your head, in your vision? What do you envision? And because this is my vision, my vision is to whatever it is, to buy a house, you know, and that's for me, finances is extremely important. And I want to make sure that we have the same belief system when it comes to finances. So you know, tell me a little bit about your visions when it comes to finances. Tell me a little bit about how you feel about finances. That right there can open a conversation. Yeah, I, that is beautiful. And I think it's so important to be discerning and not that I am a dating expert and I know that's not the topic of this conversation, but honestly, I think we have to be okay being a little bit more discerning and asking those tough questions. And I think once I think once you go through something like a divorce or you know any kind of situation where someone has sort of wrecked your life and sort of made life really difficult for you, mm-hmm. something in you snaps and all of a sudden you stop being as concerned about I want this person to like me, I want to impress this person, and you kind of cross over into this line of, you know what, I've worked really fucking hard. You are not going to muck up my plan. So here's where I'm going. If you are on board and you're going to make this easier and better for me, great, come along. But if you are going to muck this up, I have no interest. You don't deserve my time. You don't deserve my body. And I think that that can feel like a scary place to be I, I mean, I can only speak as a female because that's my perspective. I am sure there are men who feel this as well, but I think it's so important to be able to have those conversations. And I think that a lot of that starts with being healthier, having those conversations with ourselves mm-hmm. and being honest and being okay with, okay, I'm really scared about this, but I'm going to look at my numbers. I'm going to know my numbers. Absolutely. I'm going to figure out where I want to go. And rather than beat myself up and feel sad that I'm never going to get there, I'm going to put a plan in place and I'm going to figure out how to get there. And I'm going to look for people that are going to help me get there faster. Absolutely. Exactly. And so, and 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 that's exactly it, right? Just looking, you empower yourself by beginning to have that conversation with yourself. That's number one. Number one step is to stop putting your damn head in the sand. And so many women 
do that. It aggravates the shit out of me, but it's like, okay, you know, Joyce, you're a different breed because I've been in finance. Right. So to me, it's like, uh, okay, this is what we got to do. That's it. But that's not what most people think. And the way most people think they actually, it's like you said, it's a very uncomfortable thing. And so they don't want to face it. And so they'd rather just ignore it. And so that I think is step number one is to just be aware, become aware if you're ignoring that part of your life, become aware if you're like sticking your head in the sand, because if that's what you're doing, it's not going to empower you. You're, you're going to know that that's not taken care of. That's number one. And number two, you're not going to be trusting yourself. You're just going to lose more and more respect subconsciously for yourself because that is not something that you are taking care of. What are you waiting for? Are you waiting for someone to come save you? Are you waiting for it to take care of himself, take care of itself? Cause you know, it's not going to happen. So you're just basically telling yourself, Oh, I don't want to do it. And you're just continuing to procrastinate. You begin to lose respect for yourself. Yeah. Well, and it's a false sense of security. It's like the child who covers their eyes and thinks that the danger is no longer there. And I, I used to actually have a post-it taped up on my wall that said, stop ostriching. Yeah. And because we do, we, we think, okay, life is difficult. Life is negative. And, you know, I see a lot of that on social media right now with the dynamics of everything that's going on of, I just want to think about things that are positive. I just can't look anymore. Look, we all need an escape into positivity, but you can't turn a blind eye to reality and expect to actually get somewhere positive. Right. You have to have open eyes. You have to be able to look at the situation and instead of being overwhelmed and daunted by it, be inspired by it, put together a plan and figure out, okay, this is how I'm going to climb myself out. This is how I'm going to get there. Mm-hmm. Exactly. As soon as you pretty much become aware that you are ignoring the situation or you're procrastinating in the situation, then you can look at it and say, what's my next step? Is my next step to go see somebody and say, what the hell do I do? Is my next step to take a course? Is my next step, you know, whatever it may, to talk to my spouse. What's my next step? And so just take it one step at a time. That's what trips us up is we think, oh my God, I don't know what to do. Just one tiny little step is all you need. Absolutely. Well, now you know why I had to get her number. I didn't lie to you. Amazing, (laughs) Joyce, thank you so much just for all of your wisdom. And I would love to hear from all of you who are listening and just what this sparked for you. If you have questions about money mindset or the connection between all the different places of success, shoot us an email at embracetheish at gmail.com or hang out with us online at successfulish.com or Facebook, Instagram at embracetheish. Success and failure, none of opposite ends. Curveball hits, gotta know where to bend. The attitude will affect destination. Interview determines when you're gonna make it. Live between successes, makes life rich. Live in every moment, successfulish. Live between successes, makes life rich. Live in every moment, successfulish. Hey, successfulish. Another day, another task, think fast with a whole nother mission complete. I'm successfulish. Pick up the weight, press on, and act on the visions to see. I'm successfulish. Sit back and bask in the glory of all the goals I achieve. Successfulish. Lose a stack, get it back. 
back, reinvest, hope, wait, then I roll up my hey, sleeve. Successfulish. Another day, another task, think fast with a whole nother mission complete. Successfulish. Pick up the weight, press on, and act on the visions of see. I'm successfulish. Sit back and bask in the glory of all the goals I achieved. Successfulish. Lose a stack, get it back, reinvest, hope, wait, then I roll up my sleeve. Hey. All this weight on my arms need both flex. In this race, but behind need most steps. Had a sort of learning curve, hope I don't crash. Hit your nerves when reserves got low cash. When I fail, realize that it won't last. You made it through in the past, just look back. Successful list, you can see how the contrast stays and wins. Use the past and I bounce back. You can never win if you never go and do it. Figure it's a hard road, rarely ever cruising. Embracing all my wins with a handful of losing. Expect the drought season when the plan's going fluent. I can never really feel it's all how you view it. It's all a lesson, just depends how you use it. Get all the data and keep it all exclusive. Never in and journey and the growth is therapeutic My identity is not in what you see I am the better me Mistakes others make I see Have a teacher me Compare yourself to others is an insult to tragedy We will make unique Gotta use again collectively Broke down my goals and a few look toesome Can't take them back cause you already spoke them Easily regressive you don't stay focused Focus, live between successfully moments Successfully Another day, another task Think fast with a whole nother mission complete I'm successfulish Pick up the weight, press on And act on the visions of see I'm successfully Sit back and bask in the glory Of all the goals I achieved Lose a stack, get it back, reinvest, hope, wait, then I roll up my sleeve. Successfulish. Another day, another task, think fast with a whole nother mission complete. Successfulish. Pick up the weight, press on, and act on the visions of see. I'm successfulish. Sit back and bask in the glory of all the goals I achieved. Successfulish. Lose a stack, get it back, reinvest, hope, wait, then I roll up my sleeve.